I want you to grab your Bible with me because we're going to dive into the word this morning. Grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And while you're looking that up, of course, I bring greetings from my wife and my children. Um, They would love to have been here, but they started school in Daytona Beach this week. So they were not able to travel with me this weekend. They were actually with me for seven weeks straight over the summer in youth camps all over uh, the the country. And it's so much fun to serve Jesus in ministry with my family. But I also brought another family member with me. Come up here, Brother Jay. This is uh, Reverend. Jay Toro. He is the national director of our youth development program. And uh, this guy is a beast for Jesus, man. And we've been serving God together almost as long as Pastor Nate and I've known each other. Um, right my first year in Bible college, I met this Puerto Rican sensation. And, to, and God knit our hearts together Man, almost 30 years ago, God said that I was going to have brothers in ministry, and I didn't know how quickly God would send one. And back then, we dreamt about doing ministry together. And then when we started our program for orphans, God gave me my brother back, and we've been changing lives for Jesus, and I just love it. Will you just greet everybody, Pastor Jay? Good morning, Emmanuel. I'm so excited to be here. Pastor Nate almost stole my thunder. I just wanted to tell you, your young people are on fire for Jesus. Look, I I can tell you that the devil is shaking in his boots. He has no idea what's about to happen in the state of Minnesota. Your young people are on fire for God. They're giving a word of knowledge. The power of the Holy Spirit is operating in your church and your young people. So I'm excited this morning. I hope you have your seatbelts on. Get ready because God is going to deliver the same kind of experience that we've experienced all week. The power of the Holy Spirit is here in this place this morning. And I believe God will do it today. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready for the word of God? I'm excited. Amen. Amen. I love you. And, and Jay is such an amazing gift to me because he has been launching our programs. I shared with you last time about Accelerate. It's our youth development program for kids aging out of foster care. Well, he's been launching programs all over the country that, that are our brother and sister programs to our program in Daytona Beach, Florida. And we're just seeing an incredible harvest in the lives of people who have no hope. And God is giving them hope. Luke chapter 7, if you're there, say Hallelujah. If you're not there yet, say, hold on. Okay, y'all got to hurry up, man. I know we're tantalizing you with our beauty up here, but you got to hurry up and look in your Bible. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And, and, and in fact, while you're looking that up, at the, at the back, right outside, you can get the new Emmanuel Live Worship album. I already got two, <laughs> and they're awesome. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. There's something in there for all of us, and worship transcends all. Because anything that glorifies God is what we need to have in our mouth and in our ears. And so get that man create a culture of worship in your home and then while you're doing that grab one of my dvds hey i've got today's message in its entirety on dvd and cd and you can grab it in the back today's message is brought to you by the bible and it's called bad hair day and you can get this back there everybody go ooh ah yeah, you can get this back there when you leave. It's, it's this message and a companion message about how to hear the voice of God in a noisy world. A message called Signal Strength. You can get that back there. It's in the series. In fact, if you're a man and you love your wife, you can run up here and take this from me right now. But you have to love your wife. Yep. Oh, yeah. The love boat. 
soon we'll be making. You got to be grown folk to know that song. I also have our book back there, and, and, and we wrote a book about victory, man. I, I love success. I read about success, but I get tired of it because success is debatable, and it's usually a little bit more worldly. I want to live in victory. Victory is when everybody around you knows that God has done something in your life, and when you walk by, they go, oh, I knew him before. Look what the Lord has done. That's the life that we promote, and that's the life that we want to live. And, and I wrote a book about it, and I was like, Jesus please let somebody buy this book. And they did. I don't know if you heard this, but my book outsold Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen's books. Hey. Mm-hmm. For nine days. That's right. And if you love your wife, you do. I know you do. You can have that. That is for you. That's right, white chocolate. That is yours. <laughs> You're not married? That's your friend? Do you want to be? I'm just, I'm sorry, 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 I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I love you, Holy Spirit fingers. But you know, God is at work. So I'm going to give you this shirt too right now. I, I brought this for your young people, but I really made it for adults. It says, I'm God's favorite. I love this shirt. I led an 84-year-old woman to Christ in the Publix grocery store in Daytona Beach, Florida, wearing this shirt. She goes, what does that mean? I said, listen, woman. I didn't say that. I was raised by Mama Brown, Mama Roosh, Mama Griffin. I know better. I said, yes, ma'am. The Bible says before the foundations of the world were laid, God chose us to be sons and daughters of God. I said, girl, I could pray for you right now, and your relationship with Christ could begin. And she goes, Okay. And I did, and, and, and she accepted Christ in a glorious way in the line at Walmart. And then I showed her the back of the shirt where it says, so are you. And I said, girl, if you didn't pray with me, I wasn't going to show you the back of this shirt. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> People are like, ooh, he's mean. I'm ready to preach. I'm so ready. You can get that shirt out there all the way up to a 6X. You know why? Cause I'm grown and I'm tired of all y'all little skinny people getting everything. Mm -hmm. People ask me, do you charge more for six X? No, I don't charge less. I don't charge less for, for extra small. Shoot. Where was I? Luke chapter seven. You're going to like this. We're going to have some fun right now, okay? The Bible, the Bible says, Then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to the house to eat with him. I love the story already. And when Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Mm -hmm. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the fair... Ooh, I'm, I'm working right now on some writings about how every time it seemed Jesus would impart wisdom and transformation, healing, deliverance, and breakthroughs, it would happen at the table. Dad, if you want to speak life into your generation when your kids get home tonight from camp sit at the table and talk about what God is doing and you're able then to prophesy into the lives of the young people in your home because the table is an altar I could preach all day there is a table in the tabernacle for a reason but I, I gotta hurry up I gotta hurry up <laughs> oh oh here we go 
And, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. He was talking to himself, y'all. And he said this, this man, if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, well, teacher, say it. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one who owed him 500 denarii and the other just 50. When neither had anything with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Now, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. This is where it gets interesting. Check this out. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, Simon, her sins, which are many, mm -hmm, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, same loves little. Then he said to her, girl, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table began to say to themselves, who is this fool? That's the ghetto international version. They said, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus then said to her, your faith has saved you, baby. Go in peace. For just a little while this morning, before we break for lunch, I, I want to share a message entitled Bad Hair Day. Father, I pray this morning that, Lord, you would transform us in the word, shift our understanding, take logic and add to it wisdom so that we can truly live the way you've called us to. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. 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 When I read this scene in the Bible, all I could think of was hair. You know why? Because this was the first time somebody in the Bible worships Jesus with their hair. Now, I'm not talking about the Levitical uh, uh, things and, and I'm not even, even talking about the Nazarite vow. I'm talking about a person who worships with their hair. And whenever something happens in the Bible for the first time, pay close attention. Study it, study it, study it. Because when it's done once, it's multiplied thousands of times for us in our lives as well. And I discovered that our hair is very interesting. I spent about 60 hours researching hair, and I discovered some amazing things about the, the article on our bodies that I lack. <laughs> that our hair is truly interesting. The first thing you need to know about your hair is your hair is alive. Did you know that? that? That there's a life cycle in your head? That every two to six years, every hair on your entire body goes through a period of growth, stagnation, falling out, and then hibernation. Some of y'all, you've been trying to wake your head up for a long time. You're like, wake up. You got that glory spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your hair 
is alive. One of the things that people don't realize is that the only part of your hair that's actually alive is the very root, the very base of your hair. In fact, just about two centimeters above your scalp is the only part of your hair that's actually alive. Isn't it interesting then how we will spend billions of dollars on products to make something that's dead look like it's alive. <laughs> our hair is not only interesting, our, our hair is important. In fact, in, in, what is it? In, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, the Bible says that God has even numbered the hairs that are on your head. You think you love you, you're God's favorite. You don't even know how many hairs are on your head. He does. That's how much he cares. Even in the small things. Did you know that you average, uh, the average person, 100,000 hairs on your head? Where are the brunettes? Brunettes, raise your hand. Awesome. Brunettes, you average 108,000 hairs on your head. That's pretty cool. Are there any redheads here? Redheads, raise your hand. Redheads, yeah. Some ladies are like, I don't really even remember what my <laughs> color is. <laughs> Bless your little heart. Redheads, you average 90,000 hairs on your head. You don't need any extra because you're potent and strong. Most of you will not even gray in your lifetime. That's pretty cool. Blondes, are there any blondes in the house? Blondes, hey, blondes have more fun. You average 140,000 hairs on your head. You know why? You need all of them, girl. You lose some of those hairs, you'll fly away. We'll just lose you. <laughs> I'll save the blonde joke for the second service because they're not saved. Here we go. <laughs> they told me that, they, that, that you think you're better than them and the second service said they want to meet you in the parking lot. I'm talking to you, Maple Grove. Mm -hmm. Your hair is also interesting. It, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting, but your hair is important. Not just important to us, but important to God. As I was studying hair, I, I began to research in the Bible that hair in the Bible had meaning too. A woman's hair in the biblical times was her glory, right? But did you know that a man had hair? Their beard was considered their honor. And that men would commit oaths by their beard. That hair had meaning then. I heard a song a long time ago by Will Smith's daughter, Willow Smith. And the song goes, I toss my hair back and forth. I toss my hair back and forth. I toss my hair back and forth. I toss my hair. That's about it. She's not that brilliant. But here's what I learned. She was like 12, right? That's about as good as it gets at 12. But, but that's biblical. Did you know that the Hebraic history, that the women, the young virgin girls, they would have their hair out, but the married ladies would cover their hair because their glory was reserved for their husbands. And when the armies would come back victorious in, in many villages, and not all of the tribes, but in a few of the tribes, when they'd come back victorious in battle, the young virgin girls would step out on the street or stick their hair out of the window or put it over the balcony railing of their homes and shake their hair like this and make a noise similar to, that's where that sound came from. Do you know why they did that? 
They were celebrating that God has given our army victory in battle. And so they were taking their glory, what little that we have on earth, and they were giving it all to God, shaking their hair and saying, if God could give us victory, he deserves the glory. I've come here today to tell you that it seems like things may be going against you and maybe our city is in disarray, but I've come to walk the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota and shake my head and say the glory has not departed. We are in the plan of God. We shall see victory and revival in our day. Sometime you're going to be at work this week and you're going to be bogged down. You need to just shake your head and giggle. I am more than a conqueror. <laughs> I love this message. Your hair is so amazingly important, but that's not all. Your hair tells your story. Yeah. Everything I need to know about you is in your hair. Everything. Through something called a variable number of tandem reports or a DNA test, that's deoxyribonucleic acid, I know stuff. I can tell from just one strand of your hair where you live. I can tell by the water used to wash your hair. Exactly. I can pinpoint the water table, the water uh, 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 colony you come from, the water county, the water district you come from. I can tell all of that just by the strand of hair from your head. I can tell who your mom was, who your dad was, who your uncles and aunts are. I can tell nearly all of your history in your hair. Everything I need to know by the thickness and the thinness of the follicle. I can tell whether you've been healthy or sick. By the brittleness or the, supp the supple nature of the hair, I can tell your health and your life is all in your hair. I can take that one strand and determine if you've had drugs in your system in the last 90 days. Oh, snap. I could take hair from your scalp and know if there's been drugs in your system for six months. And I can take a pinch of hair from your skin and tell whether there's been drugs or infirmity in your body in the last year. It could be said that your hair tells your story and the hair doesn't lie. People do. But the closer I get to you, the closer I get to the truth. Hmm. Where have you been? Where have you gone? What have you done? Where did you come from? It's all in your hair. Your hair is your history. Taking this wisdom back in time, let's revisit the scene. Pastor David, I need your assistance. Come here, handsome. Here we have a scene where you need to understand that Pastor David is playing Jesus. Why? Because we all know that Jesus is Asian. Those that he loves, he said, be fruitful and multiply. That's what I'm talking about. And so Jesus comes to Simon's door. This is a, a little bit of a historic account. Jesus comes to the door and knocks, knock. And Simon comes to the door, Jesus, oh man, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And he's so excited, I believe, this is my story and I'm sticking to it, that he walks Jesus right by the water jars, never washes his feet. We find that it's very possible that at the wedding feast at Cana, there were 40 to 60 gallon water jars that 
were used to wash feet. And isn't it interesting that those are the same jars Jesus said to put water in and turn it into wine. You can't tell me Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor. Stop getting drunk, suckers. That's again in the ghetto. I'll go back to preaching. And so when, when, when normal situation would take place, come on, Jesus, and, and you would greet uh, another Hebrew brother or, 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 or family member, they would greet each other with a kiss, and it would go like this. And they would say, peace, twice. Peace to you, peace to your home. What is that word they would say? Shalom. Shalom to you. And here's how they would make it look. Put your hands on my shoulders. Did you see that movement? <laughs> Looks like a dance, doesn't it? Kind of like a Jewish family dance. It's by design. And they would put their hips together. And when they would put their hips and bump their hips together, what they were saying is this, I have no weapons. I've come in peace. In fact, it's where we get that understanding of the term, and no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. That's why we go into small groups. That's why we reach out in our city, because even if people come weaponized against us, it doesn't matter. You can kill the dreamer, but the dream will still live. You can mess with the church, but the church isn't going to stop, because even if you come against us, baby, we're still going to rise. You can invite people, and you don't even know, right into your home. And don't be scared. Be stirred. He comes right in. He doesn't even kiss him. He's so excited. He doesn't even let Jesus wash his feet. He's so excited. And Jesus comes all the way into the house. And Jesus sits at the table. Now, if Jesus was truly a Pharisee, and, and Pharisees would do this, the, Jesus, if he was truly a Pharisee, go ahead and kneel. Jesus would kneel, both legs back, at the table like this and he would put his hands behind his back and what that was a sign to your your host that you were a good pharisee you were a good religious man and you would not eat without washing your hands and washing your feet and please would you send me a servant that i could wash my hands and my feet and even my face before we eat but jesus did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So nearly every time you see Jesus sit at someone's table, the Bible says he would immediately go in. And, and this is why the, the, the gospel writers were so specific. They would say Jesus would immediately recline at the table because he wasn't coming to be served. And the reclining would look like this. Lean, lean over, legs behind you. Perfect. Right like that. And they would reach their hand on the table to grab food. And with their right hand, they would eat. Their left would remain on the floor. And this is why when we hear about the disciples, everybody fighting not to be at the left side, at the hand that was used to wash oneself, but they wanted to be at the right side, at the hand where provision was being provided. And so John would sit here and he would lean back on Jesus' bosom and go, did you see those sorry twins? If anybody can fix them, it's you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Save them or kill them. I'm just kidding. So we're, we're here. I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm a Detroit Tigers fan, a Miami Dolphins fan. We don't win either. As my boy Elder Barr saying, I know just how you feel. You got to be grown folks to know that song too. And so Jesus is there reclining and a woman comes in. Everybody say a woman. The Bible says she was a dirty woman. 
A woman weighed down by sin. I love the way uh, Luke says that. A woman weighed down by sin. A sinful woman. A woman about town. Everybody knew this infamous gal. And the Bible says she comes into the house weeping. And this is where we always depart. Come here, Jesus. From the truth. We always depart from the truth when it comes to Jesus. Go ahead and sit right there. We tell everybody, oh man, the Bible's true, but then we get to scenes like this and we want to make it metaphorical or, or allegorical. I'm going to tell you something. This scene actually happened. Maple Grove, pay close attention. This scene actually happened. This woman comes in and she's weeping and she puts... <laughs> She's weeping on Jesus' feet. <laughs> oh, Jesus! And she's wiping his feet with her hair. And then she's kissing his feet. This little piggy went to the market. This little piggy went home. This little piggy went to the rabbi's house. <laughs> this really happened. That just happened. I told you, you can't trust me. You better thank Pastor David for letting me mistreat him like that. <laughs> so glad my wife isn't here <laughs> I don't think I've kissed her feet <laughs> her feet are kind of jacked up though I told my wife when we met I told my wife when we met I was like baby you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen from the top of your head to your ankle bones cause your feet are ugly <laughs> but I love you, baby. I learned so much in this scene. I learned so much. One of the things I learned that I even shared, I alluded it to you just a, a, a 11 months ago. I alluded to you that nearly every woman who has an encounter with Jesus or an encounter with an example of Jesus in the Old Testament, nearly every woman has that encounter at his feet. And the feet of a man of God represent part, not all, but part of his intimacy. His bosom was considered intimate. His kisses, no, those were given to everyone. His bosom, his sexuality, and his feet in ceremony washing were considered intimate places of a man and so we being the bride of Christ are to find our place where at his feet she found her place and the man of the house scared me because the way he responded to her hurt my heart he said oh this Jesus if he were a prophet, he'd know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner, tisk, tisk. As I'm reading that, I'm thinking, what a, how do I else say it, but a Christian jerk. 
How could you be like that? And this woman in her time of need, you're talking about her being a sinner? What is wrong with you? But then I discovered something. There's, there's so much more. The reason why we read the Bible and we want you to continuously absorb and to digest is because the longer you watch it, it's like General Hospital. You start to figure out the relationships. Why does Bo have the eye patch on? You will figure that out the longer you watch. The more you read, you're going to figure out these relationships. You see, uh, 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 this man was not just talking about a woman, a prostitute in his house. You see, Simon had a son who died. Four days later, Jesus showed up and raised him from the dead. What was his name? Lazarus. Lazarus had a sister who cooked for Jesus all the time. And, and, And she said, Jesus, will you send my sister in here to help me? What was her name? Martha. Martha had a sister whose theme song was at your feet, at your feet. What was her name? Mary. This is Dirty Mary. This is B.C. Mary, before Jesus Mary. Mary, who had all kinds of problems. Mary, weighed down by sins. Mary, who'd messed up so many times that they even said she had a bunch of demons cast out of her. Mary, who everybody in town knew was the black sheep. I don't know why the bad sheep got to be called the black sheep. There's a lot of bad white sheep, too. Tan sheep want Giancarlo. Mm-hmm. Le-ba-a. Just saying. I love everybody. And I insult everybody. Insult everybody. Assault everybody? Dude. I insult everybody equally. This woman was his greatest failure. She was his greatest mistake. The one that got away. The sheep that left the fold. Lonnie had one too. When she was first born, he had such great hopes for her. She quickly found herself a drug addict. Her children were being taken from her by the state. And he and his wife, they didn't know exactly what to do. And so it was, it was years and years that they lost track of their granddaughter. Until finally, little Simone and Adria came home to Spring, Texas. You can show these beautiful little girls. When they came to the house, the the parents, the grandparents are so excited. They said, you know what? We're going to adopt them. Our daughter made so many mistakes. We're going to adopt them. These girls are going to be our girls. Yeah. And they joined the family. Adoption will change their destiny. He changed mine when he adopted me. And the family became whole. You see, sometimes addition is how you make whole things. Sometimes subtraction of sin makes whole things. Picture two is the family as they looked about nine years ago. You can see a whole family now put together and beautiful. But it was just this week that the grandparents' dirty daughter's greatest blessing, no baby is a curse, 
Their dirty daughter's greatest blessing was displayed to the whole world and something that looked like it was going down the wrong path was reversed by the power of God. Yes, church people brought little Simone to church and now you know Simone Biles because you see her in picture three with a beautiful smile holding on to her gold medal. Simon what about us maybe you don't have that story right now in the house comes the girl that he wished would have stayed in the back in in the house comes the girl that he wished he could have hidden but he could not hide it she came to Jesus and she put her history on Jesus Christ's feet in intimacy and and Simon thought oh no no Jesus can't you have to understand his line of thought let me break it down really fast he thought Jesus you can't be the Messiah there's no way because you're letting a woman that's impure socially and spiritually to touch you intimately. You're, she's making him impure so you can't be the Messiah. You know what, Jesus? You can't be a Pharisee or a Sadducee. You can't be a scribe because none of them would let a woman of impure social and spiritual life touch them intimately. And he, then he said this, he, if he were even a prophet... A lowly traveling preacher with no congregation of his own. He would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. He can't be the king. He can't be the answer. He, he can't be the Messiah. Why? Because I know she is my mistake. I was not the father I should have been. I've come here today for, for parents and students. For young and old alike who have regret. Who feel guilt that God did not put on you. Many you've made, maybe you've made a mistake and there's a child out there that's not living the way they should be living and you say, Alan, I don't know what to do. Every time I pick up my phone, there's another story of that son, that daughter, that husband, that wife, that brother, that sister, that loved one. I wish I would have done more. I wish I could have done more. I wish I would have said something before this happened. The answer is and will always be Get them to Jesus. However you do it, get them to Jesus. Come on, worship team, get them to Jesus. It's the reason why we raise our kids in this church it's the reason why we send them to camp. We want them to find their place at Jesus' feet and know that he is able to change their life. Simon thought that she was making Jesus dirty. He was wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Simon, if he was reading this, would have stopped there and passed judgment even on his own. But I say finish the story. Verse 11 says this, and that's what such were you 
but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God my question today is this if your hair could tell a story what story would it tell would it be a horror story would it be a painful story would it be a degradation of life story would it be a broken-hearted story would it be an addiction story would it be a success story? whatever it is you can take your history and put it on Jesus feet in intimacy and Jesus was not made dirty by Mary's history when Mary put her history on Jesus Christ feet in intimacy she didn't make Jesus dirty baby Jesus made her clean and he's making us clean today he's making us new this morning he's shifting everything about us he's washing us yes he is I want to pray for you you're my family I want you to know that today I come in here so joyful but battle weary and ready for another dose of the Holy Ghost because I had to fight this year the enemy told my mama our mama that she had blood cancer and we prayed and we fought and we fought and we prayed and I want to tell you that in June of 2016 the doctor walked in the office and said girl I can't find cancer that tumor is missing we don't know what happened I said baby I know what happened we took our history it's a history of cancer it's a history of injury and we put it on the feet of Christ and he made us clean he washed our blood that he can wash you. 